about moving mountains, talking to mountains. Praise God. Hallelujah. I should have, I thought about having y'all sing a, we're going to be, we'll be singing shouting songs by the time this is over. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, one thing that kind of got me going on this moving mountain, talking mountain things is Joe Morris, I think a couple of times during the services that we had with him, well, I better let the children go first and then I'll pray too. Hallelujah. But I'll talk about this while the children are going to children's church if you are three years old through fifth grade. But Joe Morris, a couple of times while he was ministering to us, he said, um, he said, your mountain needs to hear your voice. He said that a couple of times, and it just really stood out to me both times that he said it. And uh, so that's what got me thinking about this, got it, got, got it in my heart and in my mind. So let's pray, and we're going to believe God for utterance in the Holy Ghost. We're going to believe God for eyes that see with, and, and beyond what physical eyes, you know what I'm talking about, and ears that hear beyond physical ears, that the eyes of our understanding, the eyes of our spirit would be enlightened. Amen? So let's pray and believe that. Father, we come before you and we just believe we receive those things. That the eyes of our understanding, myself included, that they would be enlightened in the name of Jesus. That we would have ears that understand that what they hear. That we would have eyes that understand what they see. That we would see beyond the things that we've always seen. We would see beyond the things that we've always, uh, we would hear beyond the things that we've always heard. And we would understand beyond the things that we have understand, beyond the natural things, beyond the traditional things, beyond the things that were taught us as children and the way we were trained, that we would understand beyond that and we would understand your ways. We would understand your thoughts. Father God, we thank you for that. And we believe that we receive that right now in Jesus' name. We thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost, that the things that have to be said and need to be said under the anointing, in in order that men and women might go free, be set free, be translated into another realm, be prepared for the for the 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 next the future for the next steps in our lives. Father, we thank you that those are there this morning, and we believe that we have them in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord God, that, that this church would be uh, built up, strengthened, uh, edified today. And, Father God, that we would be stronger when we leave this place than we were when we came. And, Father, that people's situations would be turned around. Father God, where there's, where there's been sickness and disease, that I thank you, Lord, there'll be healing in its place and health in Jesus' name. Father, where there's been, oh, hallelujah, glory to God. Mm, mm, mm. Where there's repair that needs to be made. Where there's restoration that needs to be made. Father, we're asking you for that today in the name of Jesus. And Father, we just give you all the glory for it and give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Well, so uh, picking up now where Joe Morris said, your mountain needs to hear your voice. And he said that a couple of times and it, it kind of stuck in me. It just kind of, you know, I don't know, it got my attention. It, it, um, and so as I was praying and seeking God, I, I, I just began to think about the mountain, it, the, that mountains that are in our lives. And you know what? Everybody has mountains. I say that, but then, I, then th let me say it a different way. If you don't have a mountain now, you will. And the reason I have to say it that way is because I went a lot of years without any mountains in my life. In fact, I went so many years without mountains. I just, it was nearly idyllic. It was like all my childhood, never sick, never, never, n my family never sick, nobody I knew ever sick, you know, had all my, you know, no death, had no death in my family for years and years and years until I was, you know, a really, uh, well, actually, 
to tell you the truth, until about three years ago. Nobody ever died. Uh, no mountains to move. Nothing, you know, I'm sure that my parents had mountains, but my parents, I guess they, they pretty much kept it to themselves. Um, and I didn't, so I didn't have any mountains in my life. And uh, the thing about that is, is everybody's going to have a mountain sometime. And you better know how to deal with mountains. Amen. And one thing that was not good about me never having a mountain all those years was that when I finally did have one, it took me about a year to get, get over the devastation of just having one. It was like, man, I mean, I was just devastated that at having a mountain because I had never had a mountain. And so uh, sometimes people are in that position. It's like, man, they just can't get over the fact that they have a mountain to overcome. And we need to get over it and start working on the mountain, don't we? Now, one preacher I heard say this. He said, the Holy Ghost said to him, if you knew what was on the other side of your mountain, you would move it. You know, another situation that we get in, that's one place we get where we go, man, I'm devastated because I see my first mountain. Another place we get in is sometimes we've had a mountain so long that we just have adapted ourselves to just dealing with it and walking around it and ignoring it kind of, but we don't, we don't deal with the mountain. We, I mean, we deal with it in the sense of just uh, live with it, deal with it, but we don't deal with it in the sense of get rid of it, deal with it. And there's things behind those mountains that God wants us to have. And if we knew what was behind it, we'd get rid of the mountain. Amen? And you know, mountains can be a lot of things. Mountains can be sickness. Mountains can be debt. Mountains can be uh, anything. Mountains can be uh, situations with our children. Mountains can be situations with other people. There's, but there's mountains in our lives. Sometimes mountains can be things that are self-inflicted, poor self-image and things like that. I mean, they're not to do with so much with other people. They're just something within ourselves. The mountain of poor self-image, those kind of mountains can keep you from what's behind the mountain that God wants you to have. You're not going to do the will of God if you've got a poor self-image, are you? And so we have to deal with mountains. We need to do what God, Jesus said to do with mountains. And so mountain can be anything. And so you need to identify your mountain. If you have a mountain in your life, you need to identify it. And if you don't have a mountain, if you say, man, I, I just, you know, I don't, I'm not in debt. Uh, well, you know what? This stuff works on mountains that aren't, sometimes mountains can be there, but they're not necessarily, we think of a mountain in our life and we say, man, this is a cruel, mean thing. And most often they are. But something, you know what, if you just, if you're out of debt, but maybe all you, maybe you're completely out of debt, but all you do is you have a car payment. You need to start speaking to that. God wants that down too. Amen. But, you know, sometimes we just can be so comfortable that those kind of things were just kind of like, well, I'm, I'm just not going to, you know, I'm just not working on that. Well, God wants us to use our faith, and he wants us to work on those kind of things. Amen? And so um, I just want you to identify your mountain this morning. I want you to identify. Maybe it's a job situation. Maybe you've been putting up with a not good job for a lot of years. Or maybe not for a lot of years, but you've been putting up with a not good job. Maybe there's harassment at your job. Maybe there's persecution at your job. You know, God, that's a mountain. God doesn't, God, there's something beyond that mountain for you. You were called, you're a king's kid. You're supposed to be reigning in life. Amen? You're supposed to be the head and not the tail. You're supposed to be above only and not beneath. 
And so maybe there's a job situation. Pastor's been talking to you about believing God for greater things. Sometimes we accept things, you know, and I think we should be very grateful to have jobs. I really do. But I don't want any of you having to work shift work. Because when you have to work shift work, I, it keeps you. It limits you from, from doing all that you could do for God, just the fact that you have to. So that could be a mountain that you could be addressing. And besides all that, God wants you, because you're a Christian, you're filled with the life of God, You've got, He wants you the boss at that place. And He wants you there so you can prosper it. When Joseph got to be the boss, it, Pharaoh started prospering. Amen. Amen? And so he wants you the boss out there. I realize that not everybody at your job is aware that God wants you to be the boss. <laughs> but it's a fact. That does not change the truth that it's, that it's a fact. So we need to identify the mountain this morning. And you know, sometimes, uh, and there's probably a lot of you in this situation this morning, it's like, oh my God, there are so many mountains, I don't even know where to start. It's like you don't just have a mountain, you have a mountain range. <laughs> I, I have felt that way before. Man, God, do I work on this symptom, or do I work on this, or this dead over here, or do I, who, or, or you know, I've got this situation over here, and God, which one, of, what do I work on? Well, you know what, probably, in any mountain range, if you are a mountain climber, you have to climb them one mountain at a time. Now, we're not going to climb the mountain, so don't make that analogy. I'm not asking you to climb mountains this morning. Amen? We're going to talk to mountains, not climb them. But I, will, but I am making the analogy is that no matter, when you deal with mountains, you have to deal with them one mountain at a time. And so there's probably one thing that's looming up in your heart more than others. And you need to figure out what that is, and that's what I want you to address and identify this morning. What's that thing that's looming up in your heart more than others? If there's sickness in your body, that is of utmost importance to get rid of that. Because I don't care if you've got $20 million in your hand, honey. If there's sickness in your body and the doctor says he can't do anything about it, you can't enjoy that $20 million. You can't. So, so, so some of us need to identify the, the mountains of, of, of sickness and say, okay, I'm going to start addressing this thing. I'm going to start speaking to this mountain. And we're going to learn how to here in just a minute. Uh, God has some great and some marvelous and some wonderful things for you that are behind, just right behind the mountain. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, some of this, this isn't going to be any big new revelation today. But it's just going to get you back on track to doing what you probably started doing. You've probably done it a few times, but we get distracted and we quit doing it because we don't understand the, how the mountain moves. And so we're going to look at that this morning. Turn to Mark chapter 11. You can't talk about moving mountains without going to Mark chapter 11. This is so familiar to us that you could quote it. But let's don't do that. Let's read it. Because sometimes in the quoting of it, we, don't, we just need to refocus our faith back on it. In verse 22, And Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God, or have the God kind of faith, um, or have the faith of God. Either way you want to say that. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. 
Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. So we have here uh, a passage of scripture about mountain moving faith. And uh, we, here lately we've been singing a song about the mountain. It's a new song Deanna uh, brought to us, and it's about moving the mountain. And something kind of sticks with me, and it's just reaffirmed me every time we sing it. And there's a line in that song that said, Jesus said, you must obey. And you know, that's a, just a real simple truth there, but I had just never thought of it that way. That in Mark eleven twenty three 23, or actually 22, it says, and Jesus answering saith, and do you realize that is so powerful that Jesus told the mountain, you must obey. Jesus set down a principle. He set down a law, if you will. He set down, a, he set down the, the principle of how it was going to work in this earth. And Jesus said, actually what he was saying there was if a born-again believer speaks to a mountain, this is the rule, the mountain has to obey. It's a law. It's, an, it's a law of authority. It's a law of, of, who, gets to, uh, of who gets to be the boss. And Jesus said, the mountain must obey. Amen. Jesus said, mountains have to obey the born-again believer. Jesus didn't say, well, you know, sometimes mountains will obey. When you were a little kid, and, and did you ever hear a little kid do this? I know you have your kids. You've heard your own kids do this. But, you know, like the big brother says to the little brother, do so-and-so, and the little brother says, I don't have to. You're not my mother. Huh? I mean, that's what kids do, isn't it? Because they really know that, that even though the big brother may be bossing them, that if mother or daddy is in the room, that the big brother really has no authority. Is that true? Now, when I would leave my kids, and I realize now that this was a pretty big mistake, but when I would leave my kids by themselves, I would say, now, Eric, you do what Colin tells you to do. I should have probably said it the other way around. And so Eric went through all sorts of torture. And now they confess up, you know, and tell us about the torture that Colin put him through. And the, you know, and the threats, if you tell mom I will do this, I will beat you up. I mean, you know, if y'all think preacher's kids are holy, y'all need to go home and pray about that and rethink it. They're only, they're just the same holy as your kids. Oh, you say, no, sometimes they're worse than that, yeah. <laughs> if they're not disciplined and if they hear one thing in the pulpit and hear something different at home, I can tell you they're the worst things that ever hit the face of this earth. But if, they're, if the message in the pulpit is consistent with the message at home, and it was at our house and it was the only thing that saved us, <laughs> it was. And um, anyway, but, but see, kids are like that. They'll say, I don't have to, you're not my mother. Or I don't have to, you're not my daddy. But Jesus said that the mountain must obey. He clearly said who was in authority here. Now, sometimes when we start talking to mountains, and you've all done this, where you spoke to the mountain and you told it to leave, and it just stood there. Well, you've got to know this. When it just stands there, you've got to know this. You've got to know Jesus said you must obey. You've got to know who you are in Christ. You've got to know you're saved. You know, we sing that song, I'm saved and I know that I am. You've got to know you're saved. Amen? You've got to know that it's God's will to heal you. That's why we have to come to church and keep our minds continually renewed. Amen? 
I mean, you think, oh, well, I learned this truth once and I can keep it forever. No, you'll lose it. You'll lose hold of it. And we've got we've to know who we are in Christ. We've got to know we're righteous. Because otherwise, when we start talking to the mountain, you know, when you start talking to the mountain in your life, Satan starts talking to you about something you did yesterday. Or so, some way you acted. Or, uh, you know, and even sometimes your family members will help you. You know, they'll remind you of something you said, something you did. And you know what you begin to feel like? You begin to feel like a worm. And when you begin to feel like a worm, then you don't feel very powerful when it comes to talking to mountains. And so you quit talking to mountains. Amen? So you got to know you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that the blood of Jesus made you righteous, and that there is nothing that you can do, good or bad, that will change that righteousness. That takes mind renewal and a constant mind renewal. That is truth this morning. I don't care what you did yesterday. You're still, if, G, if you are saved, you are still righteous. Now you have lost your sense of righteousness and you need to take 1 John 1, 9 and you need to repent of your sin and ask Jesus to forgive you and then he will restore that sense of righteousness to you. But it didn't change your righteousness. And so you gotta know these things. You've got to know that Jesus said the mountain has to obey. And so when it just stands there, it doesn't affect you. It doesn't limit you. It doesn't, you, you don't back down not one bit because you know Jesus said the mountain had to obey. Now I'm preaching to myself this morning. Boy, this is good. It's helping me a lot. <laughs> Luke chapter 17. Let's go there. If you don't, if, if the mountain one thing doesn't minister to you, well, then this one will. Luke chapter 17 and verse 6. And the Lord said, If ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye might say unto this sycamine tree, Be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. Jesus didn't even, didn't just tell us that mountains had to obey us, but Jesus said sycamine trees have to obey you. You know what? What that sycamine tree really represents. Now, you know, you can talk to trees if you want to. And if you've got one in your yard you'd like to get rid of, this is one way to do it. This does it probably, you know, if you cut it down, then you've got to deal with the stump and all that. Uh, but uh, this will work. I've, I've, read peop I've read stories. I read something in Brother Caps' book recently about a man that had a tree between his yard and the neighbor's, and every time he went by it, he cursed it. And so, wasn't too long until a tornado came through town, didn't touch anything, uprooted that, that tree. So if you want to get rid of trees, you can, but we can take this and apply it in different areas in our life. Um, one thing that this tree represents is something that's been in your life a long time. Because, see, a tree has roots. In fact, some trees put in an extensive root system. If, in the place where we come from, where it's very dry, in our, uh, where, where we used to live, very dry, I mean, I'm telling you, a tree puts down a root because it's got to find water. Now here... When, when that's, the roots of these, some of these pine trees are not very deep. 
And that's why when a big wind comes through, which a big wind comes through all the time where we came from, I mean, you know, 60 mile an hour wind's just a real good sandstorm. But um, when a 60 mile an hour wind comes through Alabama, then there's, there's people in Alabama without electricity because guess what? One of these shallow rooted pine trees has fallen over on a power line, right? But this sycamine tree represents something with a real deep root that's been in your life a long time. I'm telling you what, there's some plants that can get a root on them. I don't know if y'all have ever seen a careless weed before, but there are careless weeds that get as big as me and they got a tap root on them that big. You can't chop them down with a... You, it's just, you have to have an axe to get, and this is a weed. But see, we can get things in our lives that have been there for a while, and man, they can have a, they can have a big root on it. I mean, we could have put up with it for a long time, and it can be, it can, we can, we, sometimes we're rooted and grounded in it. You know what I mean? And Jesus said, though, that sycamine trees that even had big root systems... If you'd speak to them, that they have to obey. Smith Wigglesworth said this in his book, Ever Increasing Faith. He said, any man may be changed by faith no matter how he may be fettered. Family, there is not one thing in this world that faith and speaking to the mountain and speaking to the sycamine tree won't work on. And all of us, including myself, need to be reminded of that this morning. There is not one thing. There is not one thing. There is no, there is no migraines that this, that this won't work on. There is no disease in your body that this work won't work on. Amen. There is no bone that it won't work on in your body. Speaking... To the mountain, the mountain has to obey. Speaking to the sycamine tree, my Jesus, my Jesus said it must obey. And he is the final authority in the universe. There is no higher place to go. Man, family, if he said it, that's all it takes. And he said the mountain had to obey me, didn't he? See, look here, though, in verse 6 of that same, where we are. He said, if ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye might say unto this sycamine tree. Do y'all notice there, of course, King James English, so we can just kind of skip over that. But he's saying, if you have faith, you might say. And see, there is so many times that we don't want to be the one to do it. We want the preacher to speak to the mountain for us. And you know, if you're a member of this church and you've submitted yourself under this pastor, there is a, a, a realm of authority that the pastor has for you when it comes to prayer. But there is still, you still have to take responsibility for your own life. Did you know that? The preacher can't do it for you. Amen. And uh, you know, there's been times, oh, family, you just don't know how many times I've wanted my husband to do it for me. Did you ever want anybody else to do it for you? Oh, and you know what? Now, I know, if you, even if you haven't ever wanted your spouse to do it, maybe you've never wanted the, the preacher to do it, I know, I bet you anything, that all of you are just like me, and you've wanted God to do it for you. Oh, God, if you would just do something. I mean, how many times have we felt like, oh, God, why don't you do something? 
Because you know, and we've studied this many times in this church, that Jesus no longer has authority in the earth except through you. Except through the born-again believer. Jesus left his authority in this earth. He ascended, and it says he dropped off his authority. He dropped off his gifts and dropped them over onto men. Amen. And so Jesus, no matter how you might plead with him, he cannot do anything in the earth. And, and, and when we plead for him to do something, you know what he does? He does answer our prayer, but you know what he starts trying to do? He starts trying to get you to say something. Come on, come on, come on, speak it, speak it, speak it, say it, say it, say it. Because as soon as you say it, then I can do it. But we can lay on the floor and cry and bawl. And oh God, would you do something? And, he, and the only thing he's going to do is try to get you to start talking. Start talking to that mountain. Start saying it. Start speaking it. Because then I can do it. Amen? Because he, he said, Jesus said, you must obey. So mountains are going to obey you. Hallelujah. Now, let's put uh, Mark eleven twenty three and Luke chapter six, uh, 17, verse 6 together. We're going to take two scriptures and kind of put them together, okay? It's, Whoso, I'm going to read it to you. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, he shall have whatsoever he saith, it shall obey you. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and cast into the sea, the mountain shall obey you, and you shall have whatsoever you saith. Now I put two scriptures together. Whosoever shall say unto the mountain, Be thou removed and cast into the sea, the mountain shall obey you, and you shall have whatsoever you saith. I've noticed, though, in my own personal faith walk, and that's how I can relate to you best this morning, I've noticed that when I am focusing on Mark eleven twenty three, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but believe, shall believe those things that he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. I've found that Satan tries, you know, he likes scripture. He likes to take scripture and use it on you. And I've found that Satan tries to get me unfocused over whosoever shall say to this mountain. And he likes to get me focused on and shall not doubt in his heart. And he just hammers on, did you doubt in your heart? Are you sure you didn't doubt in your heart? Uh, you probably doubt in your heart. And he focuses on just that one little part of that scripture. And he gets us all out of focus on that. But I'm telling you what, we need to, you know what? We need to just kind of push that part of that scripture down and we need to start saying to mountains. Because I want to tell you something. It's real hard to come to a church like this and sit under the word over and over and over and over and not believe in your heart. Amen. Amen. Actually, you have to work at it real hard. It is possible. I've seen people that came to churches like this and they weren't believers. They didn't believe. But they usually slept or something like that. They were usually there out of coercion. Their wife made them come or something, you know, to that effect. And hardly ever see it where a husband makes a wife come. Usually if the husband leads, the wife will follow, usually. But a lot of times you see a, a, lot of times you see a wife that somehow she's got him there. And, you know, he's got it shut off. He don't believe. But, you know, it's just rare. It's just rare to have somebody coming in and they're coming voluntarily of their own free will and they, and, and they want to be there and they're listening when they're... You know, I tell you what, they believe. 
Family, you believe. You believe. You believe. I believe. But, you know, that's the only part of that verse that Satan likes. He hates the other parts of it. But he does like that part, and shall not doubt in his heart. And so then you get in this big question of, okay, okay, now, is, did I doubt in my heart, or did I doubt in my head? Because if, if I'd only doubted in my head, this thing works. But if I doubted, and, and, and you know, and, and then pretty soon you can't even figure out what is, what is your heart and your head. I know, I know, because I've been there. And it's like, I don't know if I believe it or not. Well, if we'd quit focusing on the believing part, because see, the Bible says that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So you're hearing the Word of God, so believing is already coming. Faith and believing are the same thing. We proved that in Scripture. Well, actually, I think that we did that in Bible school. Uh, but anyway, faith and believing are the same thing. And so, hey, believing is coming by hearing and hearing by the Word of God this morning. Family, you are believing. Amen? We don't really need to do more believing. And besides all that, Jesus said in Luke 17 that if you had faith like the grain of a mustard seed, just a very small seed, if you had that kind of faith, he said you could talk to mountains, you could talk to trees, and they would obey you. See, we need to get focused over on the part that's important, and that is that Jesus said, this mountain must obey me. Amen? Praise God. Well, let's go on. I think you're catching it. Um, so we need to see the power of faith-filled words. We need to see that it's not up to God, not up to somebody else. And we need to also know that mountains aren't leaving until we start talking. There's a whole lot of people that just aren't talking. They're hoping, they're praying, but we're just not talking. And I'd venture to say that none of us, including myself, are talking enough. Amen? Not talking to mountains enough. We don't need to be talking to God about the problem. You know what, family? He already knows the problem. In fact, if we did have to say something about the problem to God, what we ought to be saying is, Lord, tell me what you know, instead of us telling him what we know. Because he already knows everything we know plus. Amen? He knows the root. And we need to not talk to somebody else about the problem. We, I tell you what, the world talks about their problems. I grew up, and this is what women did, especially women that didn't have jobs. My mom always had a job, and, you know, I'm sure because she was not particularly a believer at that stage in her life, uh, it was really a great thing she had a job because it kept her from the soap operas and from this other thing. But all the women in the little town that we lived in that didn't have a job, they got together every morning, and they had coffee and cigarettes and problems. <laughs> and then they got to, I don't know when they did housework and then in the afternoon they got together for, uh, for iced tea cigarettes and problems and they talked sat around and talked about how sorry their husbands were now this was a little town kind of a little patent place a little bit pretty much so and the men every afternoon after work went to the pool hall and played dominoes don't get me started about godly men in pool halls playing dominoes or any other thing. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> but you know, there's not any... We, that, uh, as believers, we need to not be talking about our problems. And sometimes we left off the cigarettes and, and we didn't leave off the coffee or the iced tea, but we get together and we call it prayer. Well, I'm going to get so-and-so to pray for me. And we sit around and we talk about our problems. We talk about our mountains instead of talking to our mountains. Hallelujah. Well, you know, they, they just get bigger, don't they? 
So we've talked about already, but the mountain's in the way of your blessing. So we need to deal with it. We need to get rid of it. You know, there's a scripture in the Bible, and we've kind of taken this scripture wrong. And, and, and some of us that have been more diligent as believers, we could probably apply this. Now, you know, we're not sitting around talking about our problems. And we spoke to the mountain. But we've taken that scripture, having done all to stand, stand therefore. And we've made it, having done all to wait, wait therefore. And we've just got that mountain that just looms up before us and we're just waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting on God to do something. And we need to do some more talking. You know, standing is different than waiting. Standing is different than sitting and resting. Standing is a full attention thing. And we need to get ourselves, and we need to speak to that thing. Amen? You know, there's something about your voice. Do y'all know, I don't, I'm not very scientific, but I, I do know this, that they can do things like now that are like voice imprints, right? Where they can absolutely identify your voice. God's known that all along. And there's nothing like your voice. There's nothing that will substitute in the spirit realm for your voice. For your voice talking to your mountain. Turn to Psalm chapter 18. See, the Lord needs to hear your voice. Psalm 18, verse 6. He says, In my distress I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God, and He heard my voice out of His temple, and my cry came before Him even unto His ears. And then the earth shook. And trembled, and the foundation also of the hills moved and was shaken because he was wroth. God needs to hear your voice talking to mountains. And when you start talking to mountains, things start shaking. Amen? Now hold on with me because I'm going to give you something real important here at the end. It's very important that you speak. Turn to James chapter 5, verse 13. It's very important that you speak, that you don't sit around wanting the preacher to speak. That you don't even uh, get with your prayer partner. Maybe, you know, maybe she knows how to pray and has been praying longer than you. But it's important that you don't let her do your speaking for you. Amen? And you husbands, it's important that you do not let your wife do your speaking for you. There is something out of divine order about the wife having to do that. God said that the husband was the head. And that is divine order. Amen? But a lot of men, because sometimes the wife has uh, been in it longer than they have. You know, they, maybe they got filled with the Spirit before you did, and they've been in it longer than you did. And, and uh, uh, sometimes the wife has more time. If she doesn't work, she has more time to pray and be in the Word of God. Maybe she knows the Word better than you know the Word. Well, you know, there's a remedy to that. And it, 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 there's a little tube that our box looking thing that you lay on your couch and you just punch the power button off and it, it'll take care of that <laughs> and pick up the Bible and dust off the dust and and uh, you you can know the word too amen but sometimes because the husband of the family he feels like his wife knows more he lets her do the talking to the mountains well, there's some mountains in your house, and the mountain of debt's one of them that's not moving until the head of the house stands up. Now, she can move the mountains in her life, but there's some mountains that need, a, that, that need you. So you're going to have to put it... I'm telling you what, the only way to get secure is just to step out there by faith. Amen? James chapter 5. 
in verse 13. It says, Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Let him pray. Let him pray. Let him pray. Afflicted there, he says, if you're afflicted, what are you supposed to do? Pray. You're supposed to get your husband to pray? You might. I'm not saying that you can't get your husband to agree, but you know what, family? You ought to pray first. Women, you ought to pray first. Amen? I'm not saying not to get your pastor to agree, but family, when you get your pastor to agree, you should have already prayed. When you fill out one of those prayer request cards, we ought to know what scriptures you're standing on. We ought to know what you're believing for specifically. Oh, and, 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 I, and, and, and sometimes we get prayer requests, not very often because y'all are well taught, but um, that says pray for my uh, so-and-so, you know, one of your kinfolks. My question is, are you praying? Or are you just wanting somebody else to do your praying for you? So that you can say next time you see them, well, you know our church is praying. Is any afflicted? Let him pray. Well, it, 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 and then he goes on, Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. psalms. Now, you know, Brother Hagen uses this example, so I'll use it, and this is the truth. You know, if you have a really happy day, man, you're happy and you're singing on your way, you don't walk up to somebody and say, Sing a song. Sing a song for me. If you don't, you sing it yourself. Well, you know, it's the same in the same sentence. You, you don't, but a lot of times when we have an affliction, we don't even pray and we say, would you pray? Would you pray? See, God, the, the, and the reason God does this is because your mountain needs to hear your voice. You have a voice imprint in the earth. You have a pad. Your voice has to be heard. God can do more with you with your voice than he can anybody else. Amen. Praise God. Y'all are looking at me a little strange, but it's true. So, uh, in Psalm 18 there, it said that when God hears your voice, that the mountain, it starts, the earth, everything starts quaking and shaking and... Amen. Did y'all see that? So, if heaven responds to your voice, it shouldn't be too hard for us to believe that mountains and trees would respond to our voice. Amen. So... We're, we're, we're getting somewhere. We're getting there. And then let's turn to Daniel chapter 10. I want to show you what else responds to your voice. Your voice. Are y'all, are y'all catching this? Daniel chapter 10 verse 12. Actually the part B. But we'll start at the beginning. Then he said unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day... I'll wait till y'all get there. Daniel 10, 12. Fear not, Daniel, for, for, for from the first day that thou didst settest thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. Now an angel's talking to him there, and an angel says, I heard your words and I responded. Family, heaven responds to our words. Mountains respond to our words. Trees respond to our words. And angels respond to our words. They don't respond to our words of unbelief. But they do respond to our words of faith. Amen? In fact, they say that the, they, God says He hastens over His word to perform it. He doesn't hasten over your problem. He doesn't hasten over your sadness. I want to tell you something. We need to leave the tears off. And quit whining and crying to God. Now, if you want to cry some tears, you go ahead and cry some, but you make them mad at the devil tears. When I get really mad, I start slinging tears. Any other, anybody else? In, I know you men don't. Any other women in here sling a few tears if you get really mad? 
I mean, I tell you what. And if you want to sling some mad tears at the devil while you're talking at mountains, well, that's okay. But, you know, we need to leave off the whiny, feel sorry for myself. I'm talking to myself here. Man, I've had some marvelous opportunities here lately. Praise God. Hallelujah. So, the, your voice is important. And uh, the kind of voice you use is important. Mountains, I've noticed, don't respond very good to wimpy little voices. It's not so much a matter of loudness, but it is a matter of, you know, you have to get the whine out. You've got to have some authority in your voice. And your authority comes from just what we're having this morning, teaching you that you have authority. Amen? So, you know, because the reason is, is, you know, faith has a sound to it. There's a ring to faith. There's a ring to faith. And I can tell, you know, sometimes I try speaking to my mountains too in a wimpy little feel-sorry-for-me voice. But I've noticed that when I put my foot down, that it, change, it changes things in the natural realm. You know, I can get in a certain tone of voice and, and even people in my house start scurrying. Pastor disappears to his office, shuts the door. <laughs> I'm going to give her some space. <laughs> Well, he can just tell. He can just tell. This isn't the time to mess with Debbie. Your husband can tell too. Your wife can tell. Amen? Now, some of you husbands, you do it a different way, you know. You clam up or whatever. But a lot of times the wife, she starts, you know, getting pretty verbal in an authoritative, <laughs> an authoritative tone, and she does a lot of slamming with it. She starts stomping and slamming doors. I mean, you know, not... You know, just popping them, you know, just giving them so you are aware that, that, that you know, y'all don't, y'all are looking at me funny like y'all live in the most holy houses and that the presence of God is always there and that there's always a holy hush and you never lift your voice. And that, amen. <laughs> well, oh, praise God. Uh -huh. But faith has a sound to it too. Just like your family can tell when you mean business, you know your kids can tell when you pushed, when they broke the, when the, it's over. <laughs> yeah, they know. They know. They know because they can tell from your voice. Your voice leaves an imprint. And the devil can tell when you know who you are in Christ and when you are speaking with authority. Amen? Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to have to go, so I'm going to, I want to give you five truths from Mark 11:23. 23. It won't take but a second. I'm just going to pop them off. We've already covered all of them. Number one is, if it were God's will for the mountain to be there, Jesus would not have told you to move it. If it were God's will for the mountain to, believe, to be there, Jesus would not have told you to move it. So that just does away with, well, maybe it's God's will for me to have this situation or that situation. Number two, if what you have in life is all up to God, Jesus never would have said, Mark eleven twenty three. If what you have in life is all up to God, Jesus would never have said, Mark eleven twenty three. Number three, we've already said this point. If you knew what was on the other side of your mountain, you would move it. Number four, there is no mountain in the realm of your authority you cannot move. Amen?
There is no mountain in the realm of your authority. Do you know what I mean by that? Do y'all, you know what I mean by the realm of your authority. Like, okay, let's take Saddam Hussein. Would anybody like to get rid of him? Amen. Y'all all want him, huh? Okay. This is weird. We're going we're gonna to put you on a boat and ship you over there if you don't. <laughs> no, he is, a, he is a menace. He is a demon-possessed. He needs to be removed. But do you know what? I don't have any authority in that country. My authority is limited. I do, we do have authority that he doesn't infringe upon our country. Okay? Do y'all see what I mean? There's a place where there's places you have more authority. If we, the people that live there, if there were Christians, would have a great deal more authority than we have, is my point. If they want him, they can have him. God's going to let them have him as long as they want him. Until he steps over that boundary line and gets on our property, and then a missile may hit him if he gets into our authority. Y'all are looking at me like, I don't understand this. Huh? Your neighbors can do in their yard what they want to do in their yard. And if you don't like it, all you can do is pray that God change their heart or you can move. And that's your two choices. But they can have their demons if they want them. So you can move any mountain that's in your authority. Namely, if it's in your body, if it's in your house, if it's in your children, your children that are, your children that are still under your authority. He, this, my, this child right here doesn't live under my authority anymore. I try to boss him sometimes, but he knows he does not live under my authority. <laughs> Except when he walks in this building or something like that, or my house. And sometimes he tries to get out from under his authority in my house, I'll tell you. Yeah, I found out about him. (laughs) I found out last night that he let the dog sleep in the bed while we were gone. So I've got a bone to pick with him. (laughs) Because, see, that's my authority. Amen? Are y'all worried about him? Yeah, Tim's worried. <laughs> he is too. He's worried. Uh, Chris, I thought I, I thought higher of you than this. <laughs> but when she bosses him, you know what he says? You're not the boss of me. <laughs> of course, we know that's not really true. <laughs> so there is no mountain in the realm of your authority you cannot move. Number five, your mountain has to hear your voice before it will move. Now, I'm going to sum it up with this. I'm fixing to finish. But this is what the Holy Ghost showed me Tuesday. Um, God told me this, that, that some Christians start talking to their mountains, but very few keep talking. They start talking because they know a Mark 11:23, and they start talking, but they quit. They quit talking. And the reason they quit talking is because the mountains just stands there. And the reason they don't understand, and, and that here's the thing, this is what the Holy Ghost showed me, is that we haven't understood how mountains move. 
And so we've seen these mountains in our lives, like symptoms or something. Let's just take symptoms, for instance. And we spoke to that mountain, and it just stood there. And maybe we even spoke two or three times to the mountain. Maybe we spoke a half a dozen times, or a dozen times, to the mountain, and it just stood there. And see, what we expected when Jesus said the mountain would obey and the mountain would move, we expect that mountain to start retreating. We, start, we expect the mountain to start taking steps backwards. And so we speak to the mountain, and the next morning we expect the symptoms to be less. And we expect, to get, we expect, well, I felt bad today, but I'll feel a little better tomorrow, and I'll feel a little better tomorrow, and I'll feel... And instead, that mountain's just, just like that. But the Holy Ghost showed me that, that we didn't understand how it worked. I watched this documentary on TV about a casino in Las Vegas that, that they were going to tear down because it was old and outdated and nobody was going to that casino anymore and staying in the old hotel rooms because now there's such fancy ones there and everything. I wouldn't know this from, I just saw it on TV. I don't know this from experience. And, uh, and so anyway, it, they showed on that documentary how they were going to take that building down. And they brought all these engineers in and they went in and they put dynamite all in that building in strategic places. And then they went away from that building and they set off a charge and there was a wire hooked up and this charge went through the wire and it ignited all of that dynamite and that building, it didn't just explode and a million pieces go all over Las Vegas. That's how we want our mountains to do. We want to speak to that mountain one time and it explode into a million pieces and just you can just see mountain flying everywhere. And that's what we thought would happen. Or we thought it would retreat. And that building, you know, when they set off that charge of dynamite, that building didn't start backing up out into the desert. It, 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 that building didn't do that. That building did what they call it imploded. They call it imploded. And that building just went like that. And there, was, there wasn't any, even any debris flying around. It, all there was was a big dust cloud. And the Lord spoke to me on Tuesday and he said, my people haven't kept speaking to their mountain because they didn't know how it worked and they thought the mountain was going to start retreating or they thought the mountain was going to explode, but he said mountains implode. And every time you speak to it, you're putting a stick of dynamite in that thing. And you need to keep stick. And you know what? They didn't just put one stick of dynamite in that casino. In fact, they, had, they put several, and they had to be in strategic, I mean a bunch, a bunch, a bunch, I don't know how many tons, and it had to be in strategic places. I mean, you think about this thing. This thing blew up steel, mortar. This thing blew up. You think about it. And he said, the Holy Ghost said, that's how mountains do. They implode. And every time you speak to them, every time you speak to your mountain, you're putting a stick of dynamite in it. And one day, and I'm going to tell you tonight what's going to take to make it implode. But one day, you get the right charge on that thing. And that thing just... Hallelujah. Well, why doesn't it happen more often? Because we quit speaking. We got two or three little sticks of dynamite planted in our building. Or our, it's not our building, but our mountain. And we quit. Amen. Well, you need to come back tonight to hear the rest of the story. <laughs> Boy, that's bait, isn't it? Praise God. Well, let's stand up together.